it's yeah, it's cool for me to be here. Um, I don't know what privilege it is for you. It should be normal that I come, you know. It shouldn't be like a super spectacular thing. It's just like, hey, Father Ericsson's here again. But I, but I agree. I, I feel privileged. Um, here's Jacob. How you going? We're catching up, catching up every single period now. Um, all right. I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to talk about um, the Trinity. And the reason I want to talk about it is because, one, it's like the mystery of all mysteries, you know, like the Christian faith. Um, I think one of the really unhelpful things that we do when we talk about religion is we're like, oh, yeah, you know, Christianity, uh, Buddhism, uh, um, I don't know, ancient Egyptian stuff. It's all kind of the same, you know, it's all basically the same. Um, there are certainly similarities, certainly, because we're all trying to interact with the divine, and, and God can't be put in a box. So, sure, of course, we're all, we're all touching upon the divine in different ways. But to say they're all the same is really like a robbery. You're robbing yourself of learning something particular. That's like saying, oh, you guys are all basically exactly the same. You know, I don't need it. If I've met one of you, I've met all of you. Is that true? It isn't true. Certainly you are similar in many ways, but you are also absolutely unique. And you deserve absolute respect as a unique person, you know. Um, if, I, if I start to treat you as like a number in a, long, in a long sequence of people, that's what you call dehumanization, you know. That's how slaves get treated like slaves. They're like, oh, they're not really people, they're just kind of... That's number 780, you know, he picks up that brick. That's not what you are. <laughs> you're, a, you're a very valuable person. Okay, so Christianity is extremely valuable, I would say. And it's extremely unique. Um, I'll give just one example. I was... Uh, having coffee with an old friend just like half an hour ago before I came here. Um, his name's Henry. And um, we were talking about history, and he was saying like, and this is true by the way, but he was saying um, before, do you know what religious persecution is? Have you heard that phrase before? What is it? What is it? <laughs> well, you know what persecution is. Yeah, it's when someone's treated really badly, usually for a reason that's not fair, you know? So people might be persecuted because they have a disability. Or they might be persecuted because they're a certain race. This morning, Auntie, um, uh, what's her name, Neola, was talking about the persecution of indigenous people, um, which is a which is a real, <coughs> a real thing, and it, it was it was um, a horrible thing. And now it's a it's a real stain in Australia's history. Um, okay, well then, there's such a thing as religious persecution, which is when people are treated a certain way on account of the faith they believe. But here's an interesting thing: historically. Um, when I'm not going to say when did religious persecution start because that might be too big of a too big of a thing to ask. But um, you've all heard of the Empire of Rome, you know the big Roman Empire, um, and you know who crucified Jesus basically, <laughs> the, the Romans. Um, crucifixion was a Roman style of execution. So nowadays we'd give if we were doing death penalties we'd um, inject someone with some poison and they would die, or they'd be electrocuted and they'd die. Um, thankfully, we don't have that in Australia, but there are places in the world where that happens, right? Um, well, in Rome, in the ancient world, if you were to be put to death, you'd be um, crucified. Even that's not entirely true. If you were, if you were a non-Roman, you'd be crucified. Romans were beheaded. Like, let's pretend you're a Roman citizen, and this is the Empire of Rome, and you've done something wrong, and we're like, you're under arrest, and you're guilty, and you're going to be put to death. You'd be beheaded, right? You'd have your head chopped off. But let's pretend... 
<laughs> I may as well, hey? Because you're not in the group. So here's, here's Jewish person over there. He's not Roman, he's a Jew. And so Rome would say, you're under arrest and um, you're guilty, so we're going to put you to death. But because you're not a Roman, we don't really care how honourable your death is. So um, if we wanted to kill you really quick, we'd just behead you. But because we don't want to give you that respect, we're going to string you up on a big tall thing that everyone can look at for the next week and you can just writhe around in pain and everyone will see it. Um, that's what crucifixion was. It was public, it was humiliating. They were usually naked, which is, which is hardly the most embarrassing thing. They were, they were tortured. Um, you remember in Jesus' own passion in the Gospels, they, they lashed him. You were only legally allowed to lash a person a certain amount of times, and they far exceeded that. It was like four times as much as what's legally allowed. So he would have just been lacerated, like cuts and tears and everything all over him, all over the place. He would have looked like a zombie, you know? Um, and, then, and then he was crucified on top of that. Um, the point was to publicly humiliate as much as possible and then to, to kind of string them along until the Rome wanted them dead and then, and then they'd be, you know, somehow they'd, they'd um, finish, finish their life. But you, you get what I'm saying, right? Like Rome as a big power, it was like a superpower in the, in the ancient world, and it would assert its authority just like a bully asserts his or her authority. Like, like, like the main thing that a bully tries to do is to show everyone, hey, I'm powerful, don't mess with me. Because if you do, I'm gonna do that to you. And um, sadly, it kind of works, doesn't it? Like bullies have a kind of power that's fearful. Um, so, so let's say Rome was a bully. Um, but, but, but here's the cool question. Before Christianity, who was Rome crucifying? Like, who did Rome bother to persecute in a big way? And the answer is kind of no one. Um, and the reason, we're coming back to the Trinity, by the way, but the reason is because in the ancient world, everyone, as we said before, everyone had a sense of the divine. Everyone had their sort of religious practices. Um, everyone had their gods that they were familiar with. Oh, yeah, you know, we worship such and such, the god of the field. Whenever, whenever we're planting agriculture, we offer a sacrifice to that god and hopefully our fields grow. Oh, we're trying to have a kid, so we offer a sacrifice to that god and hopefully my wife conceives a child. See what I'm saying? They had all these gods everywhere and they didn't really care how many there were. So let's say you've got some group of people who travel from, I don't know, some place foreign and then they come to Rome and Rome's like, hey, while you're here, offer sacrifice to this god, do that thing, pay homage to the emperor. And they're like, yeah, sure, fine. Um, Christians didn't do that and Jews didn't do that either. They would say, no, I'm sorry, we believe in one God. Uh, there are no equal gods. There are, there are no other gods. Um, and therefore, we can't offer sacrifice to these other um, entities. That's, that was reason for persecution. It's like, yes, you will. <laughs> you will offer. No, sorry, we won't. Okay, well, we'll arrest you and starve you for a week. How about now? No, we still won't. Okay, we'll, you know... Um, they, would, they would make it more and more intense. Um, and the reason is because, as I said, it's about maintaining power. Um, and the Christian, the Jewish and the Christian world were like this weird, um, like a little hero in a big villainous world. Um, I mean, that's probably not the best way to explain it, but, but that's one way to explain it. Um, but then something else happened. Um, when Rome 
when like Christianity grew, even though people were trying to smother it, it still grew. People were still getting baptized. People were still gathering and, and celebrating and learning about Jesus and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and eventually it got to the point where even Romans were like, hey, we kind of like Christianity. And they would convert to Christianity. So you've got Rome, which eventually becomes like, like where is the Vatican? Where is the center of the Catholic Church? It's in Rome. It's in Rome, okay? So Rome has become the, the Catholic heart of the church, which is funny. Um, that's how history has, has played out. But, um, but it got to the point where there were Christians all over the place in Rome and Christianity became legal. Um, and, and, and the people who were starting the hospital and starting the orphanages and starting the places that care for the elderly who, who are kind of crippled and that kind of thing, guess who they were? Huh? Yeah, they were Romans, but they were Christian Romans. So Rome, which was a bit annoyed at Christianity, was like, mm, we don't really like these people, but they're doing really good things for the society. So it's not illegal to be Christian anymore, but it's illegal to convert to Christianity. Like, you can't become Christian, but if you're already Christian, fine, whatever. Um, it's a funny, like, problem, isn't it? Um, anyway, I don't know if you're getting the gravity of this, but the point is, history... History has dealt with the weirdness of the Christian God, which, which is weird. Like, like the Christian idea of God is very, um, let's say, unflinching. You know, we have this clear idea of who God is, and we won't soften it. It's like we believe in Jesus, who is God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, um, who makes us temples, who is God. We believe in the Father, who's not like a big man in the sky, but who is this uncreated generator you know like um, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the creeds but in our creeds which um, the church formulated over time in our creeds which you're right the church formulated over time we say that I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ his only son who was born of the Virgin Mary um, and eventually it talks about how the son and the spirit um, proceed which means they go forth from the father so you think to yourself where where is Jesus well, currently, <laughs> can't believe they're saying hello. <laughs> Are they meant to be in here? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway, sorry, I've I've gone off on a big riff here, but um. It happens. Yeah. Thanks. Um. Okay. Anyway, anyway, I, I guess in short, the point I'm trying to make is, um, the Christian idea of God is very unique. And there's a reason for that. It inspires a certain way of life. Um, it inspires a certain value that we give to people. Um, uh, um, it, it, yeah, thing, things like that. Um, so can someone help me articulate our belief in the Trinity? And then I'm going to ask you, well, why does that matter? Like, why did the church pitch its tent there? Hmm? So you've, learned, you've been learning about the Trinity. So tell me, what, what does the church believe about God? How does the church um, describe God? And I want everyone to weigh in on this. So you guys at the back are talking, I want you as well. How does the church describe God? They believe he's the almighty saviour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so even that needs needs explaining. Like, what does almighty mean? And what is, what's a saviour? Like, why, what, what is, what's that mean? All of these words are couched in more meaning. It's like, the, wor the words themselves are like 
Um, it's like we need a dictionary to, to talk about it. But keep going. Like, everyone keep going. Um, what does almighty mean, for example? Come on! Almighty! What do you think almighty it means? Almighty is, is mighty, but he's almighty, so he's, he's mightier than anything else. Yes. Yes. Um, almighty, we have another word. We have another word. We have another word that we would say um, sovereign. Um, and we use that word politically as well. We'd say, like, such and such is the sovereign of this place, which means it's all under their governance, it's all under their care. And royalty, yeah, yeah. So, so if we say God is Almighty, which is a unique, which is a unique thing to say, because remember, the the ancient world would happily have any number of gods, and they'd say, oh yeah, this God takes care of the fields, you know. <laughs> so, so God is Almighty, which means um, He's sovereign over everything. He doesn't have like some little um, jurisdiction that He sticks to. He's He's permeating everything, in and through everything. Um, Saviour is, is an interesting one because now it brings up the problem of sin or evil in the world. So what do you think it means to have a God who is saviour? What does that mean? I know you have the answer, but I want someone else to weigh in. Yeah. Good. 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 Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to take both those answers because I think one is softer than the other. They're both true, but one's softer than the other. Because um, if I'm in a burning building, I don't just want help. I don't just want like a glass of water to drink while I'm in that burning building. I want someone to save me from the building, right? So helping and saving uh, might not be the same thing. But I'd agree with you. Having a saviour means God accompanies us and helps us. Um, but then, dramatically, we're claiming that our God saves us, which begs the question, what's the threat? Like, <laughs> where's the burning building? What do we need saving from? Don't we just need help? Aren't we going all right? Aren't we okay? So what does it mean to have a God who's a saviour? Like, what would God need to save us from? Think about this. Think about it. Yeah. Sin? Okay, good. No. <laughs> uh, no. Sin, good, good. Um, um, yeah? Okay, good. I'm going to collect those two together, okay? So sin and all things that can harm us. Um, um, what, just name like five things that can harm us, that are a serious threat. Yeah, good. Okay, so physical injury. What about, um, what about if my family no longer loves me like you know if I'm just a, a loner that's a threat that's a big threat it may not be a physical threat but it's it's a serious threat um, and, and you hope it wouldn't happen um, good and, event, and eventually and, and eventually death right okay but explain to me and, and I'd love you guys to give me and if you don't do it I'm going to do it and maybe I realise I'm going to have to do it. Because, because something I've found is that um, we, have, we, have a really, we have a really cartoonish idea of sin. We're like, oh yeah, sin. That's when we're naughty and God wants to kind of like um, give us detention. And I've got to tell you, that's a, that's a really boring idea of sin. That's, we didn't need someone to die for that. Okay? 
So, so if sin isn't naughtiness, what is it? Why would sin be something so threatening that God, because this is what Jesus did, God would be happy to be, think of the Jews in Rome, he'd be happy to get arrested, to be tortured, to be stripped naked and strung up and humiliated in front of everyone, um, and he'd be willing to forgive them from on the cross, which is what he did. He's, he's busy, like, fixed in that position with, like, no strength or energy. And all his oppressors are looking back at him. And he says, Father, forgive them. I don't hate them. I love them. Um, they don't know what they've done. That's the kind of crazy death that God is happy to brave to save us from sin. Which means, okay, what is sin? That it requires that. That's a big and a good question to ask. What is it? What is sin? Okay, keep going though, because if if you want to, if we wanted to, we could just stop doing bad stuff in a sense. So sin's got to be more than that. What does that mean? Yeah, okay, but I like I love where you're going, but I'm gonna keep challenging it. Why if you don't mind. If you if you want to tap out, just tap out. But um why why would something I do affect God? Like isn't God all powerful? Isn't God almighty like we just said before? Yeah, but he also has to forgive you. He has to forgive you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, okay. So okay, but and this is by the way. Um, I love I love theology, which is what we're doing. It's a study of God, and it's a study of our relationship with God. Um, the questions that we are asking are the same questions that like the brainiac theologians are asking and have been asking for for centuries. And there are answers to it, and some answers are hard answers, and some answers are sort of soft answers. It's like, well, the church is the church is sort of leaving the good, the door open on that. But you just said that um, sin affects us and God, which is true. Um, and you said that, oh, wait, I forgot my question. God has to forgive us. God wants to forgive us. Um, he's the one we're asking for forgiveness. This is a question that theologians have asked, and, and I, I wish I knew the answer off the top of my head, but I'll have to go and look at it. Um, why, if God is all-powerful, and if God has the power to forgive sins, if we can put it that way, why wouldn't God just say, hey, everyone, um, you've done wrong, but I forgive you, like it's, a, it's in the past. Why is that not enough? Because it's too easy. You have to, you have to um, acknowledge and change. You have to, you have to be active. Yep. You can't just be, yeah, right. It's done. Yep. You walk away. It's got to be. Yep. It's got to be from the beginning. Mm. When you do something wrong, that's your conscience. Yep. You know, it's like straight away that that bad feeling that just sits inside of you, and you know it's like, yeah, I've done the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if that's good. That's fine. No, it's good. It's good. Um, I um, there, there's there's a few things. There's a few things in my mind. One is um, what the church calls satisfaction, which is <laughs> not about like being hungry and then 
eating a really big meal and being satisfied. It's it's about like um, everything. Everything has a kind of um, everything has a kind of. I wouldn't say maybe transaction is not the right word, but like if 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 I do wrong to someone, even if they're the most forgiving person in the world, it wouldn't be okay to never apologize. Like somehow the the reconciliation isn't really satisfied. The church would say so. You have to. You have to do something, as you said. It matters what you do, not just what you think. And and so, what God wants for us is that we'd be perfectly free, in the, in the fullest sense of the word. We'd be free um, to to experience love at its fullest. To experience. Okay. Anyway, we'd be we'd be free to experience everything at its fullest. Um, so so we could say, getting back to your question, that sin is kind of like a, a bondage that wraps a person up so they can't be free, you know? Um, it, it, it encloses them in themselves. Like, like, if I'm preoccupied with my own sin, if I, if I basically love my sin, then I occupy a universe of one. There's like one person in my universe and it's me. And I'm the God and I'm, the, I'm everything. Um, and that might sound... Like, if we're extremely immature, that might sound good. It's like, yeah, fine. I'll just serve my needs. But immediately it's obvious that, like, that's a lonely existence, isn't it? Who wants to live in a universe of one? No one. Huh? Sure, sure. But even that's a bit of an act, right? Like, that's kind of... It's, it's like an icon of um, what, what makes life um, dark. Um, and and like look it's that's a that's that's um, um, layered in like cultural symbols so it's like I don't think I was interested to talk about the Trinity only because someone mentioned it um, and it's it's really clear to me that like a clear understanding of the Trinity at least as clear as we can have and then a clear desire to live in relationship with a triune God is the best, it's like the best life you can live. And I mean that temporally, I mean it like you right now doing stuff, um, but I mean it eternally as well. Um, because you you were made in the image of God. Like this is what, this is what the scriptures tells us. Um, God created us, not like the animals and not like the rocks and the trees and stuff. Um, everything bears God's kind of creative fingerprint. But in a particular way, God created you as a human person for relationship with each other and with himself. Um, and that's, that's, that's what God is. God is a relational God, you know. God, even God on his own is not a universe of one. <laughs> he's, he's into relational within, within himself. Um... um now, I want to say this. Think about this. This is my favorite analogy for the Trinity because sometimes, like, the Trinity is a mystery. And um, with any mystery, we come up with, like, little, uh, little um, analogous images that, that, are meant to, that are meant to help us. But all of them fall short. Like, they help a little and then you need to stop thinking about it. So, have you heard of St. Patrick with the three-leaf clover? Yeah? Um, Patrick says, oh, yeah, you know, the, the triune God is like... He never actually apparently said this, but it's... For some reason, we, we've... Um, remembered him as saying it um, 
he says that God is three and God is one, like this three leaf cover. Or, 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 or people say um, God is three and one, like, um, uh, like water, um, um, gas, and, and ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, now those analogies are really bad. <laughs> They're really, really bad because God is not three in that way at all. God is three um, in the sense that, that you are three. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you this, for example, and you'll see how, like, the integrity of a person's life can either um, help this sh triune shape of a person or it can, it can wreck it, you know? So let's pretend... Um, uh, I'm just going to give an analogy of, like, my triuneness, you know, the, the way that God has made all of us. You know a little bit about it, yeah? Yes or no? Yes, good. Okay. Um, how have you encountered me? Like... Like, by what means do you know anything at all about me? You've heard my words. Yeah? So you've heard me speak. Um, you've seen me doing stuff, like walking around and chatting with people and celebrating Mass and leading little prayers at the assemblies and stuff. Yeah? Okay. Um, now, here's, here's a question. Do you believe the things that you've seen and heard? Like, like do you think... The, the words that you've heard me say and the stuff you've seen me doing, do you think that's a good representation of who I actually am? Or do you think what I say and what I've done is just like, it's disconnected from who I am. It's, it's, it's a way I'm acting when I'm with you, but it's not really who I am. Okay. Okay. That means that you have come to know or you've come to trust that you know me only by virtue of having heard me speak and having seen some of the stuff I've done, right? Um, now, here's another question. Where did that stuff come from? Like, why do I say... Not why, but, but from where do my words come from? And, and what inspires my actions? Maybe this stuff I love? Yeah, yeah? okay. So, so you can see that, but you can't see inside my heart. But inside my heart is my beliefs, the stuff I love, the ideas I'm toying around with, um, my priorities and my projects, right? Are you with me so far? Yeah? You can't see that, but you can see this, yeah? Um, and then finally, where, like, like at the moment, at the moment I'm articulating as much of what I'm trying to say as I can, but behind my words, is my mind, where I'm trying to like form it to tell you. And then behind that is, is the dark abyss of my mind that I can't even put into words. Like I can't explain my deepest thoughts. I can't explain my deepest um, convictions and beliefs and, and, um, and loves. That stuff's just way back there somewhere. And, and I sort of bring it to the front of my mind and I put it in words and then I say it to you, right? You with me so far? This is a good image this is a pretty good image of, of the Trinity. Because think about how we know God, the God of the Christians. We know the Son, who's Jesus, because Jesus has proceeded out into the world and he was born as a real little boy. And he grew up and he lived with people and he, and he said and did stuff. And people saw it, right? Uh, people interacted with him and they followed him and they, they took note of it all. Um, and, and Jesus also um, worked with the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit of God whereby he performed miracles and 
I don't know, healed people and um, and um, commissioned people. He kind of brought people into the into his own work as well. Um, but but here's the cool thing: like the sun. Imagine <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make myself a kind of allegory for the Trinity here. Imagine that um, that this is going to sound horrible, but imagine I'm God, and out of me has gone to you, like out of my mouth, has come to you Jesus, the Son, the Word, and the Spirit. And that's who you encounter. That's You only get to see the Son and the Spirit. You can't even see the Spirit, but you encounter the Spirit in some way, right? Um, and it's like if you encounter that um, projection, for lack of a better word, if you encounter that projection of God, and you think, yeah, I've, I've experienced something of God, like I've heard some of what God says and I've felt some of God's presence with me and I trust that that's genuinely God. Um, now you're making a kind of awesome leap of faith where you're saying, I've experienced enough of the Son and the Spirit to believe and to understand that behind, the, behind wherever the Son and the Spirit came from, which is the Father, by the way, wherever they came from, I believe in that as well. Even though, even though I will never see the Father, you know, I will never experience the Father in the same way as the Son and the Spirit. I believe that the God I encounter in the Scriptures, the God I encounter in people's genuinely charitable acts, the God I encounter in beautiful art, which is clearly inspired. Like, it's not just people being random with colour and stuff. It's like, there's something, like, magnificently beautiful at work here. In music, uh, in poetry, in culture... Um, in, in like really, really good policy that safeguards vulnerable people, all of that stuff. It's like, I can actually see God. Um, I can see the stuff of God. Like I can, I, can, I can see something that I recognize to be the God that I believe in. Um, and because I see all that stuff, I'm, I'm willing to make this leap of faith that behind all of that, there's this invisible... Um, um, like I don't even know what to call it, but it's but it's it's God who is like um, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's but it's it's analogous to me describing to you how my words and actions are observable. You've seen and heard them, and they come out of the front of my mind, which I've like taken the time to try and form and um, shape really well, and then give it to you. I don't speak without thinking. I think long and hard before I speak to you. And then behind all that, there's like this part, like it doesn't, it doesn't just magically appear here, it comes from somewhere far more deep within me. What I'm saying is the Father is something very, very, very deep in the person of God, in the, in the substance of what God is. And um, we're never going to experience the Father in the way that we experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but we know... Because, because Jesus says very frankly, these words that I tell you, they're not my words. Like, I didn't make these up. I'm not just, like, riffing. Um, I'm, I'm, sen I'm saying what the Father has given me to say. And, and don't make this a kind of weird schizophrenic thing. It's not that God is like this split personality. This is how we all act. This is how we all operate. Like, when you say your most deeply believed things... Um, it's hard to explain why you believe those things. It's like, I don't know, it's just my heart, this is from my heart. 
You know what I mean? Um, and God does this. God does the same thing. Like um, it's just from deep within God that God does these loving things. Um, anyway, that's like part of the beauty of the Trinity, and and that's the image in which you are made. Like that's that's you. <laughs> Um, therefore, therefore, um, if I live very frivolously, if I live out in the exterior of my life, and all my life is all about being as comfortable as I can, being as popular as I can, or being be, being like just you know popularity is one of my main concerns, or or um, or avoiding suffering, or um, you know trying to I don't know like there's so many just silly peripheral ideas, and it's like where did that come from? Well, it didn't come from deep in here. It came from way out somewhere silly, like somewhere that's not even grounded in anything. Okay, well then what would it mean to live in a way that actually flows from the deepest part in me, the deepest, um, most beautiful, most life-giving principles that anyone could ever have? That's, that's a very challenging thing to do, but in a sense, that's what it is to live the moral life. Um, and that's why I want to circle back. I think it was you who said sin is doing bad stuff. Well, sin is far more than that. And virtue is far more than doing good stuff. It's about living um, as a perfect representation of your deepest beliefs. Think about that for a second. Imagine living as a perfect representation of your deepest beliefs. Oh, I don't think there should be poor people in the world. Okay, what is it to actually live with that conviction because it's going to look radical like you're probably going to sell your house and go and build an orphanage and just pour your life into the poor that's a crazy thing to see but when you see someone actually do it you're like they actually believe the high stuff they talk about we all have convictions but it's easier to just be like yeah yeah those are deep in my heart and then i just get on with it out here <laughs> i just get on with whatever happens in life man the trinitarian god calls you to more than that, um, how do you how do you incarnate, which is the word we use when Jesus becomes flesh? How do you incarnate your deepest beliefs? Um, it changes the world. It really changes the world in a powerful way. Um, strong people can do it. Sure, sure, sure. Which is which is why I'm, I keep circling back to what you said. Virtue and sin are far more than oh, I can be naughty, but I'll be nice. Come on, no. It's more like I can live without integrity and just play the game that the world plays and cheat and steal and serve myself and lie when I need to and da 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 da. That's that's sinful. Like it's it's not making the world better, and it is making the world worse, and it's making you worse as well, and it's going to lead to everyone dying eventually. Or I can live with integrity, which means there's no disconnect between what I believe and what I think and what I do, and the fruit that comes out of that. Um, that's really challenging. That's really, really challenging. It's like, it's like really hard to live a sinless life. Um, it's, it's darn near impossible. And that's why God enters into humanity. And, and keep, keep this in mind. This is the last thing I'll say, because I've been talking for ages. Um, how do you treat... When you meet a nice person, you're generally nice to them again, like in return, aren't you? Because, because they're nice, and it's easy to be nice to nice people. But when, when God came into the world, it's kind of a tragedy because we didn't, 
we didn't treat him nice. You know what I mean? Um, we did for a little bit, but then eventually we're like, something's wrong with the world and it's you. And it's like the exact opposite is true. Something's wrong with the world and it's the lack of God. But, but, but the world is so caught up in its sinfulness that it knows it has to blame someone. And so it blames the innocent person. And this as well, we see it kind of all the time. We see it all the time.